0: Welcome to Battle Field, presented by Farm Bureau. I'm Bart Gregory along with Charlie Winfield as Mississippi State and Kentucky getting set to do battle this weekend. It's Easter weekend. It's a Thursday, Friday, Saturday series between the dogs and the cats. And, Charlie, we got a busy show today. Marcus Timms is going to join us to talk about the Yankees. We're going to talk with Nick Mangione about the Kentucky Wildcats coming in. Nick, a former assistant here, and now the head coach at Kentucky, But before we look forward, let's take a look back. I think we've said just about all we can say about right now where we are with Mississippi State on Sunday Coffee this past week. Just a tough weekend. Did not play a midweek series. And so these are some big games for State coming up this weekend. Oh, they
1: certainly are. And by the way, we are presented by Farm Bureau, are we not?
0: Farm Bureau, go with the home team. Farm Bureau, they have agents in every county in the state of Mississippi. And so – Check them out at com. they got the best rates, but even better service. And so if you're not a Farm Bureau customer, make the switch today. If you are a Farm Bureau customer, you know that you have the best customer service of any insurance company in the state of Mississippi. And, yes, Charlie, we are brought to you by Farm Bureau.
1: Well, and I say that because at the last ball game, I got to visit with our friend Henry Hamill, one of the guys with Farm Bureau, and talk about our show, talk about baseball, and – you know, it, it was kind of fun. You and I got to be in the outfield for a ball game here this past weekend, and I noticed that I'm kind of avoiding the question about how we're playing, but I'll get there. It was fun. We'd had the ball games on Friday and Saturday that we broadcast, and as much as I love that, it was fun for the first time this year to go out to the outfield, see people like Henry, and see some of our other friends out there. You even cooked up some country pleasing on the grill, almost some burgers, so that was fun. And, well, the ball game, well, not as much. I was wondering if you were going to get there. Yeah, well, i country pleasing, The country pleasing was good. I'm, I'm accentuating the positive here, Bart. Here's what I would say. And you and I talked about this on Sunday morning. The bottom line is this. We're still a good baseball team, and what we saw was the gap between us and being the best baseball team. Arkansas defends the field as well as any team that I can remember coming to Duty Noble in a long, long time. And I would also say that after you play
0: a three-game series against a team that's elite, sometimes the great thing about the game of baseball, and we say this it seems like every week, the great thing about the game of baseball is you get a chance to go right back out and play again. We were supposed to have a midweek game on Tuesday night against Mississippi Valley State, and this is not a knock. I don't mean this in a negative way, but if you're going to get back at it, I don't know if Valley's the team you need to do it. I don't know how much Tuesday night would have accomplished, to be quite honest with you. My team with an RPI as low as it is with Mississippi Valley State. This is probably – kind of a good little break before you play Thursday, Friday, Saturday against Kentucky. you agree with that?
1: Oh, absolutely. I'd say the good news is you have a team coming in that you're capable of taking two out of three or sweeping. The bad news is you almost must. This is a series I hate using phrases. Look, we talked with Jake Mangum a few weeks ago, 2018 team that goes to the College World Series. They started 2-7 and seven in the league. I get it. It can happen. But if we're going to have one of those seasons, if you're going to position yourself to be able to be at home in the Super Regional, got to go
0: now. These next two weeks become big. Playing Kentucky this weekend, on the road at Auburn next weekend. Auburn is struggling. They're 0-6. They go to Arkansas this week. And so it's one of those situations. You better make your hay when you get the chance.
1: And I'll go a step further and say this. I don't even think two series wins is what you're looking for. If you told me right now – I'll give you a four and two record over the next two weekends. I'll say I'll take my chances. We need to be five and one.
0: Wow, that's kind of stepping out there. Because normally you say taking two out of three at home and then two out of three on the
1: road and you take four and two. But hey, once you get swept, you got to go get something back. Yep. And then you've got Ole Miss in three weeks. And you still got Vanderbilt lurking out there. So there are some teams that are very beatable, but you got some tough ones too. And I think this team needs to match a sweep with a sweep. So Mississippi State and Kentucky this coming
0: weekend, like Charlie said, once again, we're brought to you by Farm Bureau. Go with a home team. Check them out at favorites.com. Hey, I'm looking forward to this show. We, we've we been bantering back and forth, and this is no secret. Charlie and I, we grew up with Marcus Timms, who is from Louisville, Mississippi. He's the hitting coach with the New York Yankees, the head hitting coach, and spent you know nine years in the major leagues, a good friend of ours. We've been kind of holding off on asking Marcus to come on the show simply because we didn't want to bother him because we have a good friendship with him. But he was like, hey, you guys haven't asked me to be on the show yet. What's going on? <laughs> and so we finally – they start their season today. And so Marcus Timms is going to join us on opening day how about that? I'm looking forward to that.
1: I'm excited about it. You know, you think back about the big hits that Marcus had in his career. He had a number of home runs in Detroit, played for Jim Leland. His first pitch of his major league career, homers off Randy Johnson. And then the one, look, a lot of state fans will remember, on a Sunday night game he homered in extra innings off Jonathan Papelbon on a walk-off in Yankee Stadium. This is a Mississippi State guy. That's the thing that a lot of people don't know about Marcus Thames. He's from Louisville. He went to East Central Community College. College we didn't mind. That's the one. Ended up getting drafted by the Yankees. And this is a guy who has done well. And he goes to that clubhouse wearing Mississippi State stuff almost every other day. He didn't play here, but this guy's a bulldog. As big a Mississippi State fan, as
0: it possibly gets, and we're going to talk to the head hitting coach for the New York Yankees when we come back. Marcus Timms will join us. You're listening to Out of Left Field presented by Farm Bureau. Welcome back to Out of Left Field presented by Farm Bureau. It's time now for our guest line segment brought to you each week by our friends at Heartland Catfish. Heartland producing the finest U.S. farm raised catfish in the world. And you can find Heartland at your local grocer, but also at great restaurants. You ever see the Junction Deli's? The Princess? Oh, it's good
1: stuff now. Now, Philadelphia. Philadelphia.
0: Man, they got one in Oxford, Louisville, Macon, Union. Man, they got it in Ridgeland now, Scuba. Newton, the Junction Delis, Philadelphia, a couple in Newton, one in Carthage. They sell Heartland catfish. So when you go in there and you want to get a chicken on a stick, you want to get some chicken nuggets, but get the fish. And know the fish comes from Heartland catfish. And Eric Prince, Philip Prince, the whole Prince game. Well, Philip could shoot a basketball. He's talking about East Central, the college with you in mind. Philip Prince could shoot a basketball. So our guest line segment, as always, brought to you by our friends at Heartland Catfish and this week, the Junction Deli restaurants throughout Mississippi. And so let's go to the phone where the hitting coach for the New York Yankees, Louisville, Mississippi native, will join us. And Marcus Timms is on your radio right now. Longtime listener to the show, first-time caller. Hey, let's look back, and this is going to be a very interesting interview because I'm going to think more about, hey, remember when and all this, and Charlie's a Yankees fan, so he's going to want to ask you about the batting stance of Giancarlo Stanton, but that's that's for later. When you think back to your story and these kids getting recruited now and committing as 13-, 14-year-olds, I think back to you when you were in high school. When did you start in high school, and how would that have affected you as, as far as early recruiting?
2: I didn't get a chance to start in high school until my senior year. I played a little bit my junior year, but I didn't get a chance to start until my senior year. But I didn't develop. My body was, I wasn't quite a young man yet. I mean, ninth grade, I was 5'9", 127 pounds. (laughs) 10th grade, I think I grew 5'10", like 135. So I was really small at a young age. So um, my body didn't fill out until later on in high school.
1: As you look at things like that, Bart and I live in a world where we're reading about kids committing to college in eighth and ninth grade. Are we missing too many kids who develop late because of this need to identify talent early?
2: I think so, but I I get a feel for like some of the college coaches now. Like if they don't get them now, they'll miss out on it because of the scholarships that they have to offer. Even one of our coaches' son, he's tenth grade and he's committed already to the University of Oklahoma. And I'm like, wow, that's that's kind of early. I was like. When I was in ninth, 10th grade, man, I was like, I I couldn't even bench press 95 pounds. (laughs) But, you know, some people, they they mature a little bit later in life, and some guys mature a little earlier. But at the same time, I tell kids these days, even my son's travel ball team, and I tell the kids, just keep having fun and keep playing, and hopefully one day you'll get a chance.
1: You graduate from Louisville High School. (laughs) You go to East, Central, and Decatur, and Bart would have me say right now, the college with you in mind. Um, (laughs) And and you – you end up joining the National Guard. What What was the big point of separation for you where you become this uh, not-so-big high school kid to being a guy drafted by the Yankees?
2: It was after my junior year in high school when I joined the National Guard, and um, I went away for basic training. Um, I went away to basic training in Fort Leonard Wood, Missouri, and um, I went, and I came back, and I was a different person. Um, even my teachers, when I was walking down the hallway, they used to say, like, man, you're walking in a straight line, and you know, I had filled out a little bit and shoulders started getting a little bit bigger and my back started widening out a little bit. I was starting to turn into a young man. That was like one of the best thing that ever happened to me, to be able to go away and be in the basic training and have to have a lot of discipline every single day. Um, I think that that really helped me uh, become a young man.
0: Talking to Marcus Tims, a hitting coach for the New York Yankees and you talk about going to East Central, and you know I remember us going down there, and you came in late, and and came in, in what, January that our freshman year at East Central, and you were going to yeah. play football, were you not, and then all of a sudden you get extended basic training that took football away from you. And looking back at that time at, at East Central, is that when you began to kind of mold into the player that, that you became later on?
2: It, I, I did. Um, Coach Clark, rest in peace, Sammy Clark. Um, he, he took me under his wing and, and he helped me a lot um, I got there I was still really 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 raw um, I had some talent but I still needed some work to, I had some work to be done yes I came back late from AIT my advanced training in the National Guard and I got back in November then I went to East Central in January and and I kind of walked on the team and I got there and coach gave me a starting spot early after I had a couple of good games in the inter-squad games and and the rest is history. But um, my teammates there, Coach Clark, Shannon Cooley, who was a former East Central player, he was a helping coach before he went out to spring training. Um, he was with the Phillies at the time. He was the guy that said, Marcus, um, you keep putting in the work, man, you're going to have a shot. Because I see guys in the organization when he was with the Phillies at the time, like I just said. And he's like, you have a shot, man, if you keep putting in the work. And, and with those guys and my teammates, good things happen for me.
0: And I look back, and this is, I guess, that part of the interview of you know, just us talking as friends and, Remember when? I mean, you were drafted as a freshman by the New York Yankees. And at that time, the Yankees kept your right to the next draft time. And what were you going to do had you not signed with the Yankees?
2: I committed to Delta State. I was going to go to Delta State. But at the same time, like, after they drafted me the first year and, and they had my right to draft to follow, like Bart and Charlie, I, I, I'll sit here and, and be lying to you and saying I wouldn't give myself a chance to go play pro- professional baseball especially from everything that I went through when I was younger, um, to get that opportunity to give myself a chance to hopefully one day make it in the big leagues, I really was going to go and play. You
0: know, I look back and, you know, I I remember going and getting a degree would have been big for you as well. And you were wanting to be a coach. And I remember sitting in Pat Moore's room at East Central and you telling us that you're going to sign. And everybody around the table was excited. And I, I said, you got to go to college. You got to go to Delta State. I remember saying that, and you know, it's almost like that. Everybody needs that negative guy, and I'm like, dude, you got to go to Delta State, and you end up going to the Yankees. How tough of a decision was that? Because you wanted to get that college degree, but how tough was it to really hone in and make that decision?
2: It, it was tough, but then you know, at the time, I had a I had a little girl, Deja. She was born, and and I had to make a a, a big boy decision, and um, I had to make sure that I was there for her and and financially that was giving me a chance to really help her. And, and that made it a little bit easier when I just said, you know, I told my mom and, and my brother and I was like, guys, you know, I have to do this. And I always said, the universities aren't going anywhere. So I was like, I'm gonna give myself a shot at, at going to play pro ball and hopefully I can help my family. If that doesn't work out, um, I can come back and go to school and get a degree and get a job. But I want to give myself an opportunity to go and play professional baseball.
1: So I want to fast forward a little bit. Obviously, you spent your time in the minors, and then one day you get the call and you're going to the big leagues. What was it like to get that call, going to the major leagues? And then tell us about that first at bat.
2: <laughs> it was a weird night. We was in Durham, North Carolina. We was playing the Rays, Triple A team, and I was in a little slump at the time. But you know, I was hitting the ball hard, but I wasn't having I wasn't having the results that I wanted and I lined out the left field, and I came back in, and I kind of slammed my helmet in the in the helmet rack, and, and um, Dan Radisson was the hitting coach in Columbus that year, and he's like, hey, man, don't hurt yourself. He's like, I got some news for you. You're going to the big leagues tomorrow, so make sure you don't do anything to hurt yourself because somebody just went down in New York, and we didn't have enough guys on our team for them to take me out, so um, that was the first time I ever heard a coach tell me, hey, don't run too hard down the first line because you're getting a chance to go to the big leagues, but I told him, I was like, don't play with my emotions right now. Don't tell me I'm going to the big leagues. And and after the game, that call really doesn't – it don't come. But uh, after the game, the game was over. We won the game. And Stump Merrill was the manager. Um, He managed me also in double-A the previous year. And he just said, hey, Marcus, congratulations. You're going to the big leagues. And I'm like, Stump, don't play with me. He's like, no, I'm serious. You're going to the big leagues. Um, You got a flight out of here tomorrow morning at 7 o'clock. And I took off out of the room. I gave him a hug first. I took off out of the room and I was just crying. I couldn't wait to call my my mom and and my my siblings and let them know like I finally got that call to go to the big leagues and it was a dream come true. A lot of hard work, um, a lot of coaches in the minor leagues with the Yankees put in a lot of work with me because I was I was raw as they come when I when I when I got there. But um, um, I got that call and I got to the stadium early. Didn't want to go to the hotel. Uh, my driver was like do you want to go to the hotel to check in or do you want to go to the stadium? I'm like, take me to the stadium. I don't want to be late for anything. <laughs> and I, I got to the stadium around like 11 o'clock and nobody was able to security. It was a great day. And um, that night at seven o'clock when the game started, man, I was in tears again, the anthem playing and, and I was in the starting lineup, up and I knew everybody in Louisville was watching everybody in Louisville, everybody at, that went to school with me at East central. Um, I knew everybody would be watching and being able to, to get a start against a future Hall of Famer. But now he's the Hall of Famer, Randy Johnson, and getting that first at bat and, and, and you know, hitting a home run and giving our team the lead. Um, it, it was a great feeling. I'll never forget it.
0: Talking to Marcus Timms, the hitting coach with the New York Yankees, you mentioned a moment ago about, you know, travel ball and your son being at the age now of travel ball. You're around travel ball a little bit more now than you probably ever have been. What's your message to travel ball coaches, and what are you trying to teach kids at the age of 10, 11, and 12?
2: For me, I just try to, number one, have fun. You know, I played in the big leagues. I've had some success at this level. But um, I, I just try to teach the basic fundamentals. And, and after that, far and Charlie, I try to get out of the way because I just know some of these kids are, are still trying to grow into their bodies. But um, I just want to lay the foundation, kind of like coaches did for me when I was younger, and I, and I won't ever get away from that. Um, I always feel like um, you give them the basic fundamentals. um, That athlete's going to do what that athlete needs to do. And go out and have fun. Go compete and have fun. And um, you just never know what's going to happen.
1: One of the things about travel ball, it's interesting when you compare the situation of kids growing up in the Dominican Republic, where basically everybody can play baseball every day, with kids in America, where to some degree baseball is becoming a sport that it takes not just money, but a good bit of money to play. What do you see that, if anything, needs to take place at the younger ages to give kids of lesser means more of an opportunity to play baseball?
2: You know, we have this thing in, in Major Leagues right now. We're just trying to get Major League Baseball to reach out to certain communities and, and, and try to help because I know like it's it's, it's it's expensive. family like mine, a family of four kids, and me and my wife, so a family of six, um, you go on a travel ball tournament, man, you, I have to get two rooms. And I know a lot of families can afford that. I've been blessed to be able to do it, and, and um, I don't take that for granted. But, like, I just know there's got to be a better way um, that some of these kids can be seen because I know there's more talent out there than I see when I go and travel and watch these games. I mean, my son plays 12U, and I go to all the fields. Like, if we have a, a game in between, um, I'll go to the 10U field and watch kids, and I'll go to the 13U te- field and watch teams. Um, just to try to get a feel of, like, you know, what the talent looks like. And and I report that back to some of my peers and tell guys, like, man, if we can just get more guys' kids into it, it can be even better. It's hard, but I hope hope one day it can start turning in the right direction.
0: Talking with Marcus Thames, the hitting coach in the New York Yankees, and we talk about his playing career, talk about him being a parent. When we come back, we'll talk about his coaching career, what he's doing right now in the 2021 New York Yankees. Back with more. You're listening to Out of Left Field, presented by Farm Bureau. And welcome back to Out of Left Field, presented by Farm Bureau. Bart Gregory, Charlie Winfield. We're talking to the hitting coach of the New York Yankees, Marcus Thames. Marcus, last week we talked to Joe Judge. I think we need to tweet at the Post or somebody. We're doing a good job of getting New York coverage right now. We talked to Joe last week, and and he was talking about having personal relationships with players, and that was one of the big things that he was trying to change the culture with the Giants and having more of a personal relationship because sooner or later you're going to have to have a tough conversation with a player, and it just makes it a lot easier. Just looking over your career as a coach – Everything that you read, everything that we see, we saw an article yesterday with The Athletic, it just talks about the relationship that you have with your players. How big is that for you?
2: It's huge. Um, I mean, players today, like, they don't care what you know until they know you care about them as a person. You can be the smartest person, but if they know you're in it for you, then you're going to have a hard time breaking through to these guys because everybody comes from a different background. I, I kind of had a great experience with Jim Leland. Like, and I always go back to just watching him, how he interacted with all the players um, when I was in Detroit. Um, he he would go out. He talked to every single guy on the field. And so one day, I just opened up to him. I was like, Skip, why are you talking to everybody? Because he's like, Marcus, because the first 15 guys are great, but it's like the back-end guys, like the role guys, that sometimes they get passed by. And that stuck with me. And um, And I always, told myself, when I ever get into coaching, I will always make myself um, aware of what every single one of my players are doing. And um, and I just think you get the most out of people when they know you, that you care about them as a person first.
1: It's really interesting watching baseball. You see a team go out, have a few tough days at the plate. First thing you hear is we need a new hitting coach. We see it at the college level all the time. <laughs> you know, As if the hitting coach is going in there and swinging the bat for them. What does a hitting coach do And How quickly can you actually make an impact on somebody who's going through a slump?
2: you you, got to be positive, Charlie. You have to be positive because just from my experience, I know the game is hard. The game is is, a game of up and downs, a game of failure. Three out of ten times, you're pretty successful. But um, you're going to go through ruts, and and it's always easy being a hitting coach when everybody's going well. Um, The tough time is when they really need you, And, uh, and I always felt like that's when the best hitting guys that I've ever been around, that's when I thought that they were really good because, um, when, when you're down and out and like you can't hit anything, you're swinging at everything, that's when you need the guy the most. And those guys that were there for me, um, I'll never forget that. And I just try to do the same thing as a coach myself because I just know that feeling as a player when you're struggling that you really need that guy in your corner.
0: Talking the Marcus Timms, the Yankees hitting coach. Marcus, you talk about that. How much is – mental how much is technical all these guys have swing coaches now i mean kids at 16 years old have a swing coach and i know you have to deal (laughs) with swing coaches too but literally how much how much of what you do is mental versus technical
2: it's 80 percent mental guys um i just you know i got i got that from that's old saying from yoga bearer but it's it's true because like sometimes you, you get in the box and you're thinking about my hands and you're thinking about my feet you think about everything but the baseball. You forget about like having a plan and an approach and that's my biggest thing. Like I tell our guys by the time they get to the big leagues, their swing is pretty good. Um now it's time to focus on how these guys are trying to attack me and, and what I'm trying to do, what's my strength, what's his strength, what's his weaknesses, and I just try to go in with that mindset and if you do that, you're gonna have to assess. all the the guys that I've been around that are that been really good hitters, Pudge Rodriguez, Derek Jeter, Alex Rodriguez, all these guys that I've been around Rafael Palmero, who's a state guy that I played with in Texas, I'm just seeing these guys prepare, Barton Charlie. It was amazing, and I learned a lot from that. And i just like, man, I don't see them in there messing with their hands or anything. And I, you know, I reach out to them and pick their brains. I was like, no, my, my hands are in a good place. If my if my mindset is on what this guy's trying to do to me, I'm gonna have success because I trust my work. And I think some guys, they, some people, they don't really think about that, but. I've been trying to preach that since I got into coaching because I've been around some really good players and some and, of and my teammates, and, and I just try to use that information that I got and try to help guys today.
0: Talk with Marcus Timms, the Yankees hitting coach. You know, it's funny. We talked to Raphael a couple of weeks ago on the show, and Coach Polk said – and by the way, I saw Coach Polk earlier today, and he said to tell you hello. And. <laughs> Coach Polk says, I told everybody do not mess with Rafael Palmero's swing. Do not tell him anything but boy.' When you go in the cages, and, and Charlie's been beating the drum forever about how D.J. LeMahieu needs a long-term deal with the Yankees. Is, is D.J. LeMahieu that type of guy of, hey, I'm not going to bother him. We're just going to show up to the cage and whatever you need to do, we're just going to work on it?
2: D.J., when we, when we signed D.J., it, it's a really funny story, so one of our analytical guys text me like we was going over all of our hitters and he was sending me some information and I'm going down the list and and I saw at the end I saw DJ and I'm like who the heck is DJ I was like Jesus retired I thought was talking about Derek G he's like I text him I was like I was like Zach um you who is DJ he's like oh I didn't tell you we're signing DJ LeMay here I was like what so I was excited so you know I gave him a call I had ended up getting his phone number and stuff so I reached out to him introduced myself and First thing I told him, I was like, man, hey, I've watched you for several years now. When you come here, I'm just going to let you be you. I was like, "Um, we have an analytical department. They'll give me information, and I'll go through it. But your swing is your swing. Don't change anything. Get in the box, go hit. I do the same thing now. I was like, hey, give me a couple of keys when you're going well, and I'll just be an extra set of eyes. Other than that, go play baseball.
1: I'm curious, when you sit down before a game, I know you watch a ton of video I'm curious. When you watch video of an opposing pitcher, are you looking for guys who tip pitches? Are you looking for where arm slots are? What are you looking for? And then, how much time do you want your players to watch video?
2: Can't give you all my secrets, Charlie. <laughs> but uh, but, I, <laughs> but no, I watch tons. I watch tons and tons of video. I'm watching. Actually, been watching all day. You know, I'm watching several. You know, I'm watching their deliveries and how the ball moves, what they're trying to do. With you know and when the hitter's are ahead and um, what their two-strike pitches are. But I'm just trying to make sure I get a really good game plan of how these guys are trying to attack me. And for our players, man, they have so much information now. Um, you, you try to make sure – every guy's different. Everybody learns differently. So we, we give them everything they need. The Yankees have been great for whatever we need, whatever the players need. We get it to them on their iPads. But uh, I always want those guys to do their homework. Um, I want them to do their homework because I have a hitter's meeting every day. Some people in the beginning, when I said I was going to have a hitter's meeting every day, they're like, oh, gosh, don't bore us. But now our guys love it because we come in there and we make that room fun. We come in and we learn. We watch video. We talk about the, what the is trying to do that night. And we're in there for five to seven minutes every single game. And the guys love it because we go in and we watch video and we talk of the about the plan and the approach of how we're going to attack these guys that, that given night. And um, a lot of video work. But it's just a fun job, man, because you get to really dial into what guys are trying to do.
0: Do you ever sit there and say, and you don't have to answer this question if you don't want to? Do you ever sit there and say, guys, let me tell you something. Tag with the analytics. Just go up there and see the ball and hit the ball.
2: No, that's not true. Um, I just, I, you know, in the beginning, I have a friend that's on this call. His name is Charlie Winfield, and uh, we have, some, we've had a lot of long talks, but um, we have one of the best analytical departments in the game but my job is to to get the information from them and relay it to my players and every one of our guys are different some guys want a lot some guys don't want hardly anything you know it's my job to to be able to deliver that message what our whatever our guys up top are, are bringing down and I go through it before I give it to the players but um but it's you, you got to mesh it together you gotta you gotta do both um, And I just think that there's a lot of info out there but it's my job to relay it to the players and and every guy's different. different. Um, you got guys that's from the Dominican Republic um, that you know that the language barrier is tough. So you got to make sure you don't try to overload them with stuff. Um, you you have guys that want to the Stanford; they want everything, you know. Like so, you have to make sure that you're well around it and 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 all the information that's that's out there. But make sure like you're giving it to the guys that need it and keeping it simple. Because at the end of the day, man, you got to get in the box and go play baseball. You don't want it too complicated. Because I know how hard the game
1: is. You know, Marcus. You grew up in Louisville, and some people may not know this. I mean, you're a Mississippi State student or have been. What sort of impact? Or what sort of relationship have you had with Mississippi State over the years?
2: You know, just growing up in Louisville. Um, you know, State 28 miles from Louisville. Uh, uh, my cousin Anthony played football there. Um, I had a lot of friends that go there. I en- ended up living in Starkville for nine years before we moved to Tampa. Coach Polk, I played against a lot of his, his players and. And I wanted needed somewhere to go work out when I moved to Sargel, and I was like kind of a, kind of shy to go and ask. Like I never went to school there, but I was a big fan of the of the university. And Matt Ginner was one of our Matt Ginner, yeah, pitcher. And I know he went to state or whatever. And he was like, "What are you gonna do this offseason?" I was like, "Yeah, I'm gonna you know work out at High. Well, he's like, "Why don't you work out on campus?" And I was like, "Man, I didn't go to school there." And he's like, "Man, I'm gonna reach out to Coach Polk and." And he'll let you come and work out. And I was like, I ah, don't do that, man. I'll be fine or whatever. Anyways, I ended up, you know, reaching out to Coach Polk and 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 Jay Powell also, that that player that stayed and was one of my teammates in Texas. And they was like, man, get out there and work out. You live right there and you're a long time fan. And they've been good to me, man. And, you know, after I retired, um, I was able to go go back to school there for a semester. And that was like one of my all-time childhood dreams to, to attend to State at some point. And um after you know, after I retired from playing professionally, I wanted to go back to school so I could work on my degree or whatever and I was there even when I got the call from the Yankees actually to start coaching. And um I was in class. But state state means a lot to me. God see me, I actually wore a state sweatshirt today to um to the ballpark. So, um state's had a really big place in my heart and I always wanted to come home to go to baseball basketball football games I can't go to baseball games because it's during my season but um, I always try to get back there and and, and root on the Bulldogs but they've always got a big place in my heart and I got a Bulldog in front of my doorstep when you walk to the house in Tampa
1: <laughs> well I know a couple of guys who broadcast some Mississippi State baseball so maybe we can get you to see some that way um, one other thing I can't ask you about Mississippi State without asking about Pat McMahon former Mississippi State coach of course with the Yankees and how is coach Mac doing
2: what a man great person Matt mean he means a lot to me and I know he means a lot to Charlie and, and, and Barton and, and Mississippi State University but um, I, I became really really close with him just being here in our organization picking his brains all the time um, because he's done it on every level college level high school level but he's just such a good man and a good great baseball man and um, I, I talk to him quite a bit um, if I'm going through something that you know if one of my guys is scuffling and I I'm like, man. I've tried every single thing that I possibly can try. I can give him a call anytime, and he'll pick up the phone and he'll answer and, and give me something. You know, I was like, you know, don't lie to me. Just give me something. You know, I mean, he, he's been great. He, he's such a good man, and um, I'm just happy that you know I eventually came into my life as a, as a mentor because he, he knows a lot about the game of baseball, and, and he's giving it back to our younger guys down in the minor leagues, and even with some of our major league players. So, kudos, to Mac. He's he's a great man, and you know, I hope he can stay in the game as long as he can.
0: Talking to Marcus Timms, hitting coach for the New York Yankees. And hey, before we let you go, you know, we've known each other for a long time. You know, I, I talk to a lot of kids now, and they may, hey, I don't want to play a team sport. I, I want to focus on golf or tennis. And I, there are a lot of great individual sports out there. Uh-huh. And, and I look at, you know, I look at us growing up. I mean, we all grew up in low middle class, Louisville, Mississippi, And I start thinking back, and I've read the article yesterday in The Athletic, and you mentioned Lawrence Estes. And I think back to Lawrence Estes. I think back to Charles Thomas. I think back to, you know, Tony Thompson, to Ray Ivey, to Shalon Miller, to Trail Taylor, to Kip Carter. And then you guys, it was interesting how Little League Baseball was in Louisville when we were growing up. It was almost like you guys had a separate league that you played over by Island Middle School. And then it was like – we all showed up together when we were like 12 years old. And even to this day when I start thinking about those guys, I mean I I I mean I'd do anything. Uh-huh. Can you talk about what sports does for race? We don't get onto social issues on this show. We talk about baseball. Uh-huh. Yeah. But at the end of the day, we're talking about kids growing up and I remember this, and it was 30 years ago, how impactful you guys coming over and being a part of us and us being a part of y'all, how big that was. How big is race? And how big of an impact does sports have on race?
2: It's huge. Um, you, you get everybody come from a different walk of life. Yeah, you know, we, we were playing over at, at the Camille League on Camille Street over by the middle school, and and we all we called the the Negro League. That's what we called it. But um, you got to a certain age, you got to thirteen, and then you have to go to the city league. And then when we got to the city league, when we all first went over there, we're all the same age, and like the first year, you have to draft. So a lot of the coaches that was in the city league didn't know us. So that first year, we were all on the same team. The Giants. And we were pretty. They, you know, a... We were pretty talented. We were the Giants, and you know who was our our big sponsor was Johnny Cook. Uh, he was playing with the Giants <laughs> at the time. And, <laughs> so, but when we got to the city league, like none of the other coaches really didn't know who we were. So no, like ah, I'm not taking this guy. I'm not taking... And we ended up all on the same team, and and uh, we played pretty well. Um, yeah. some, people, <laughs> some people got introduced to some really good athletes, but. After that, we ended up, you know, having an all-star team, and and with with Bart Gregory, Johnny Fair, Robert Warner, we all started coming together, and like we, we became friends, and we still like I still talk to all those guys to this day. Um, but you, sports really brings people together, and and I'm really happy that the group that we had, like we all, like you said, you just said Big Ray, Ray was my roommate in college. You said Tyquan Taylor, Big Trail, like we all talking, like when I talk to those guys. They ask me, Marcus, have you talked to Bart? Have you talked to John? like we still try to know what each other is doing? And I just feel like playing team sports can really build character in guys, and you can get to learn a lot about each other. But us coming over to um to the to the city league was was really it was fun, and I I got a lot of friends that I still talk to, to the state by making that move.
0: And I tell you what, Taquan Trail used to have that big green Eastern. And he would lo- and he would load it up with tennis balls. He would take Charlie. He would take the cap off the end, and he would load it up with tennis balls. And at one night at practice over there by Louisville High School field, he hit a ball over the lights, and the three tennis balls came rolling out of the bat.
3: We go to Level Woods the next
0: weekend, and Trail hits one in the trees in right field, but we're all looking at the plate to make sure the cap didn't come off.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, those were the good times, man. Those were good times, good memories, and. Um- we still talk about it to this day, and, and that was a really big, big highlight of our childhood, like just being able to come over and, and be amongst everybody. We just became brothers, you know. We, it didn't matter. You went to Winston Academy. You went to Nana Y. You're not a um, We all got together and played baseball and, and went out to try to get better and try to win baseball games.
0: Man, hey, listen, let me tell you this, and you know this. I am so proud of you. Of course, you've turned me into a Yankees fan. You've turned Charlie into more of a Yankees fan. And, hey, hey, let's just see. If,
1: unless he wins the pennant, I'm not sure how much longer I'll be a Marcus Timms fan. So.
2: Charlie, Charlie's really tough on me. So, um, <laughs> I got to make sure that we can bring it home this year. But um, you guys are long-life friends, man. And, and I really appreciate it. I'm honored to be on the show. I was starting to get frustrated. It's funny because one of my friends, You guys know him, Eric Cook. He's like, are these guys going to ever get you on the show? (laughs) I was like, if they don't, I'm going to get mad here in a second. And and I'm going to get mad here in a second. But um, I really appreciate you guys having me on. And I do listen to the show. And um, you guys do a great job. And uh, I really appreciate
0: it. Hey, great to talk with you as always.
2: Thank you, guys.
0: Marcus Timms, head hitting coach for the New York Yankees. Charlie, that was good stuff, man. man i tell what you what. I'll tell you. You know, he's, uh, he's a longtime friend. We've known him forever. And here's a guy getting ready, watching film, getting ready for opening day later today at 1 o'clock. The New York Yankees are beginning their quest for a world championship. Looking for their 28th at this 27-time <laughs> world champion. I knew you'd know it. The t- most
1: decorated team in the history of professional sport.
0: And Marcus taking his time to, to talk with us. It was always great to play ball with him, to be around him, and he's so proud of him as, as a coach and as a person. So that's Marcus Timms in this conversation once again brought to you by Heartland Catfish. Heartland producing the finest farm-raised catfish in the world back with a talk with Nick Mingione, the head coach of the Kentucky Wildcats, right after this. You're listening to Out of Left Field, presented by Farm Bureau. And welcome back. Final segment of Out of Left Field, presented by Farm Bureau. And this conversation brought to you by Country Pleasing Sausage. Country Pleasing produced in the the state of Mississippi down on Highway 49 at Country Meat Packers. Henry Cooper in the game. You mentioned talking to Henry Hamill this past week at the baseball game. I ran into Henry Cooper's family and talked to to his kids and talked to them a good bit. And, of course, I had the country pleasing on the grill on Sunday. And, uh, Charlie, here's the thing, man. I went to the Walmart here in Startville. And normally I go to vowels, but I went to Walmart the other day, and they had it stacked full. Man, they had the blueberry maple, they had the jalapeno cheddar, they had everything that they make down there
1: right now, which was outstanding. Did they have any maple maple? Just the plain maple. I don't. I don't. I don't remember seeing the maple maple. I've not had the blueberry maple yet. I've had
0: maple and loved it. Yeah, it's a breakfast sausage. And so is a blueberry sausage. Some people are like, hey, I really didn't like that for dinner, but it's a it's a breakfast sausage. To me, it's the perfect sausage if you're sitting, say, at a Cracker Barrel. You know what I'm saying? It's a Cracker Barrel. It's a it's, it's a, a
1: get up Sunday morning kind of thing.
0: It is. It's it's a good blueberry maple now, ball morning.
1: game. It's a jalapeno cheddar kind of thing. Jalapeno
0: cheddar. I had the black pepper and cheddar at the ball game. They had the three cheese at walmart the other day so everything so check them out at your local grocer throughout the southeast you can check them out at kroger but country pleasing sausage and so let's go back to the phones and we'll talk to the head coach of the university of kentucky nick mengeone back in town uh, nick came in with john cohen back in 2009 was here to 2016 and first and foremost nick hey i appreciate you bringing this kentucky weather down here
3: oh my goodness i told our guys last night get ready at the end of game time, it's going to be thirty eight. This is our weather. You know What's going on?
0: <laughs> oh my goodness! Hey, listen. Last year, we had Lane and Butch on at the same time on our show, and we just started talking about roundtable guys that we brought in back when you guys got here, and mm, and so mm. anyway, the first question I want to talk to you about is you know looking back over your time here at state. And thinking back to you know when you went out on the road recruiting, and you saw somebody—I mean, who's who's one of the one or two of the guys you remember when you first saw them saying, "Hey, that guy can be a player."
3: Jake Mangum, not even close. First guy that comes to my mind is Jake Mangum. It's, but I remember um, watching him play a high school game. The guy lays down a bunt. He's safe at first. He steals second. He steals third. Wild pitch. He scores. And I promise you, he ran home so fast. He jumped up. He was high-fiving the guys in the dugout with their hands. They couldn't even get out of the dugout. He scored so fast. Like, it was ridiculous. (laughs) But it's Jake Mangum. Hands down, first guy comes to my mind.
0: All right, so when when you started kind of getting into the recruiting game, I mean, you went out west. You recruited some guys, um, I mean, Gavin Collins, some of those guys that uh, that came in. I mean, it's, but looking back to Jake, I mean, that was a guy that, hey, to be honest with you, when he first got here and we he first started, everybody was like, man, I don't I don't know if he can make it or not. And then like ten games in, it was like, wow, this guy can really really get it.
3: It was unbelievable, Bart. This guy, um, we got really close. And Jake would call me every Tuesday. And I don't know if you remember, but Chris and I lived in our little one bedroom, 736 foot condo right there off South Montgomery yep.
0: Street. Yep.
3: And he would call me every Tuesday. And you know, Kristen, I mean, we're, we're married and she's involved in every conversation because like, I can't go in the other room. You can I mean, as loud <laughs> as I am, and you know, like she's in every, and he called me every Tuesday and we got so close and I'll never forget this. We were at Vanderbilt. We were playing. We just got swept. And Jake calls me when we're on the bus, tells me he's going to Alabama. And I was – I literally – he literally, I call Kristen in tears. He's the only recruit ever to make me cry. I'm like, Kristen, he just made the biggest mistake of his life. This guy is a Mississippi State Bulldog. Like, the fans, the people – they would love this guy. And sure enough, we ended up going to Omaha that year, and Jake changed his mind that summer. But I just – I never forget it. I called Kristen literally in tears. I'm like – it's like I, f- I forgot we got swept. I'm like, we just lost the, our best recruit. Like, this guy is a bulldog. Like, this is where he's supposed to be. And, uh, man, I'm so thankful he changed his mind. Yeah, that was an awful
0: <laughs> weekend at Vanderbilt too. I think it rained and it was cold. Oh, it was just oh, a bad oh, weekend. So, that was just a terrible way to, to end it all oh, up.
1: Oh,
3: there's no doubt.
1: You were part of a SEC championship team at Kentucky. You come to Mississippi State. You go back to Kentucky. What what's it been like for you recruiting at Kentucky, and how is it different or the same as kind of what you went through at Mississippi State?
3: Totally different. You know. Um... From the standpoint of, you know, when I first got to state, I was the volunteer coach and doing the camps and Lane and Butch were so connected there. Like Lane, I felt like he knew every high school coach in the state of Mississippi. And I felt the same for Butch in Alabama. I just, you know, they were so connected and they knew everyone. So, you know, Lane and Butch did such a good job, like allowing me and teaching me and introducing me to people to where when Lane left, it was dramatically easier because there was relationships built and you know we're doing the team camps and we're hosting events at our field so I felt like I had a really good opportunity to meet a lot of people and you know coming back to Kentucky having not recruited up there it was totally different we kind of had to figure out what our niche is you know and I used the term it's like you know where are we going to go I love to fish I mean I feel like I fished every great pond and lake in Starkville but uh you know I just, where are we, where are we going to do our fishing? Like what ponds were we going to go fishing in? And it's taken us a little while to figure it out. Um, But I at least feel like now, you know, we have a better idea, but uh, I just compliment, you know, obviously coach Cohen too, is connected as he was, just being from Tuscaloosa right down the road. But, you know, going back to, to Kentucky, it's, you know, obviously totally different from that standpoint. It's just the foundation was not as, you know, built.
0: Talking with Nick Mingione, the head coach of Kentucky. Spent, of course, a number of years here at Mississippi State. Nick, I mean, it's always seemed to me like Kentucky was – you could go into the Midwest or the upper Midwest and say, okay, here's your gateway to the SEC. And do you guys still use that pretty much as your big recruiting tool?
3: You're right on, Bart. You know, it's right off 75. So every kid in the state of Ohio that's driving down to Atlanta to go play, right, The, the Mecca of summer baseball. They got to drive right through Lexington. Um, you know, same thing with you know Illinois. You know, a lot of those kids are going to drive right through our place. So you're right; it is the gateway to the SEC. And you know, Ohio's b- been good to us. Tennessee has been very, very good to us. Um, but recruiting is the name of the game, and uh, you know that part is exactly right. We still use that phrase: it is the gateway to the SEC. It actually, John Cohen, you know, taught us that, and we did that our first time here. And uh, it's worked, and it's, it's obviously still the same.
1: Your recruiting coordinator now, Will Coggin, somebody familiar to Mississippi State. Tell us about what Will's doing for you. Oh, man, this guy, is, you
3: know, he's like my brother. Um, you know, when we first got to, to Starkville, you know, he's a player. So he's a former player of mine and Coach Cohen's. And um, obviously he ended up finishing his playing career, and he's always wanted to coach. His dad is an extremely successful high school football coach. Here in the state, and you know, Will ended up getting his master's with us, and then Will went on to coach at St. John's River Community College, and then came back with us in '16. He was our volunteer, and uh, we ended up, as you guys know, winning a league and being a national seed, and you know, being two wins from Omaha. And um, so then, he obviously stayed, stayed, you know, here, and obviously there were some coaching changes, but so thankful to have him back because this guy is a tireless worker. Um, and, uh, you know, one of your guys, right, he's a Bulldog. And he obviously has two degrees from this institution. And he just, you know, obviously, it's just to watch him to go from player to graduate assistant, you're right. And then all the way into now, he's, you know, I feel like he knows every player in the entire country, you know, because he just eats, sleeps, and breathes it. And uh I'm thankful to have him on our team. I know that.
0: Talking with Nick Mangione, head coach of Kentucky. All right, Nick, let's look at this year. Twenty-two games in, six and or five and one in the SEC. Just ten thousand feet. How do you like your club right now? Is it has it been built on pitching? Has it been built on hitting? You got some guys in your lineup who have really hit it well. So, but after twenty-two games, how do you like your team?
3: We've made some adjustments, Bart. We have to kind of change our identity. Obviously, we're in a new ballpark, and you know the. The other ballpark is you know you've been to and you've seen it was more about run production and our new ballpark you got to be better at run prevention, right? So we've kind of had to change our culture and our mindset about pitching and defense, and it started there. And um, the quarantine was good, really good for me from this standpoint. You know, when in our sport do you get a chance to just get a reset, right? Like typically you, there you go, you're just you going right into your season, then it goes right into recruiting, and then. It goes right into, you know, your guys getting back and visits and fall recruiting. Juco, it just, just doesn't stop. And um, I use that time to just reevaluate every area of our program. And we need to be better at pitching and defense. We need to change our mindset and, and be better, quite frankly. We weren't good enough. We were not meeting the standard. So with our team this year, that's where it starts, with our pitching and defense. And um, when we're going good, that's what we're doing. We're working extremely fast. We're throwing a ton of strikes. We're in the strike zone and we're moving the game along and we're making a routine play. And then that is at times led over into a really good offense. And um, we got a good mix of returning guys, speed, power in our lineup, the guys that have been through the league, some new guys. So, but it, it has started with our pitching and defense.
1: Obviously, a day shorter to prepare for this weekend, the series mm-hmm. beginning on a Thursday. Will that affect the way you approach the weekend with pitching, for example?
3: yeah absolutely. We're going to start a freshman, Brian Hagenow, who's been our midweek starter, so we're going to do that. We just um, we lost our Saturday starter to an arm injury, so he will not pitch, so and then we'll keep Cole up on Friday and we'll throw exactly on Saturday. So we've had to kind of re, you know restructure all of that and, and change it and keep the you know our Friday guy Cole right there and not have to make an adjustment and just move the freshman to Thursday. so um, that's the route we're going to go.
0: Hey, Nick, good to have you back in town, man. I know you're busy Mm. trying to get ready for the ball game, so appreciate you hanging out with us for a few minutes.
3: Yeah, thanks for having me on, guys. Yeah, good to hear your guys' voices, man. Just really appreciate everything you guys have done for me and Kristen, so it means a lot. Thank you.
0: And that's Nick Mangione, and this conversation has been brought to you by Country Pleasing Sausage, the best sausage in the world. So great show today. Charlie, enjoyed it as always. Man. Marcus was outstanding. Always great to talk to Nick. He's on the other side this weekend. So, Marcus Timms, Nick Mingion, we had a good show today. Yeah,
1: that was just absolutely awesome. And for long here, I'm going to be tuning in to watch those New York Yankees.
0: Won't be long now. So, Thursday, Friday, Saturday series this weekend Mississippi State and Kentucky. You've been listening to How to Left Field presented by Farm Bureau.